0: Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 253. Glad you could join us. Uh, we got a couple couple interesting topics today, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Bait.
1: Oh my god, guys, I'm Bait, and I'm finally back on the podcast again. You all
0: done with uh, school and all that for now?
1: Uh, No, I've still got like three weeks left, So, but things are starting to slow
2: down toward the end of the semester. That's good. Yeah.
0: All right, NJ, you're up.
2: Hey guys, it's Jay. I'm also one of the hosts here on Biomast, and uh, I've been absolutely face down in a bunch of Division Two for the last, uh, I guess, week and a half, two weeks or so, and uh, really enjoying that game. And still keeping up on all things uh, with the Drifter and Destiny.
0: You'll have to fill me in sometime what's going on with Destiny because I have kind of dropped off the radar on that one. So I'm curious what they're working on.
2: Yeah, no problem. We and um, we probably give a couple-minute update at some point in the show later. It's there's. It's not a whole lot, but there's some really, really cool, like, mostly lore stuff going on. Okay, nice. Okay.
0: All right, and I am Poke Draven. I help host the show. I do uh, some stuff on YouTube, and I have also been playing Division 2 and very much enjoying my newly unlocked Mortar's Hurry, which I, I actually hated in the beta, but they've tweaked something with the controls, and it's a lot of fun now, so that's a, that's a good one. But uh, So, we've got... Like I said, some some spicy drama going on actually in the gaming sphere. Uh some stuff with Anthem, some stuff with uh, CSM and Eve, and uh, as always some epic game store exclusive drama. So let's start with the uh, the Eve stuff, because that's kind of interesting. So for those of you who aren't aware uh evil line produced by ccp games they have something that's called the csm which is the council of stellar management i think is what it stands for and it's basically a body of elected players to act as representatives and they meet with ccp and kind of act as a player sounding board for ideas and that sort of thing and they're they of course they sign a, a an nda when they are elected that hey you know for the the duration of your term, which is a year, uh, plus I think five years after that, you, you can't share the stuff that we that we discussed with you. It's an NDA. It's, it's pretty straightforward. It's not too hard to understand. So CSM 13 was actually recently elected. I think that you might know, is it like a, like a month ago, maybe?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I have not had time to play Eve or keep up gotcha. with politics in so long. Uh, that sounds right, though, like a month ago, maybe.
0: Okay. Yeah. So they've been in for about a month, um, whatever. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't follow you too closely um, at the moment, I haven't really played in a while. But So an article comes out from CCP today saying that uh, someone who is on the council uh, by the name of Brisk Rubel has been ejected from the, the CSM. And the reason he's been removed is because he, from the sounds of it, basically was recording secret meetings with ccp and the csm so stuff that is definitely under nda um and sharing it with members of his alliance and they were using that information to basically basically inside trading of what was going on so they were using it to get an advantage in the game and it is absolutely not okay with what they have done with uh the nda what they've agreed to and all that sort of thing so the two members of his alliance that were involved with this uh illicit trading have been banned for a year and this guy has been banned for life. Like he is done. He will never play Eve again on any of his characters. Um, and he has, of course, been ejected from the CSM. And he is not eligible to ever run again on the CSM. So this is a pretty big deal. The real kicker, though, like all of that's that's fine. You know, I mean, oh, that's you know, you're shit. an idiot. But the real kicker is that this guy has tied his, on his Twitter account, it lists his real name along with his in-game persona. So there is a very clear and blatant link between who he is as a person in real life and who he is in EVE Online. His profession in real life is that of a lawyer and a lobbyist. So this lawyer who should know better that you don't break NDAs has now very easily and publicly shown and speaking on his Twitter, attached to his real name that, hey, I sign NDAs and I break them and then I uh, <laughs> then I engage in, in uh, insider trading. And granted, it's a game, but if I was hiring a lawyer or a lobbyist, I'm not going to exactly go for one that can't keep secrets when, you know, I make an agreement with them. And I just have to wonder, why the hell would you ever tie your real name and profession to what you do an in-game persona like if you dug deep enough you could probably figure it out but this guy has it like on his twitter page front page here's who i am in eve here's who i am in real life this is what i do for a profession and then is speaking publicly about all of this you know fiasco on said twitter and it's just it's mind-boggling like i i'm usually pretty careful about keeping stuff separate you know it's not like i have things to hide but it's just there's nothing to gain by doing that And I just, I can't believe that this guy in the profession he does is doing this shit. It's just, it's fascinating.
1: That's really fucking hilarious. I I, I didn't even realize this guy was a politician.
2: Well, let me, well, he certainly, if he's a lobbyist or whatever, he works around it. But what's interesting is, um, if what CCP will do with it, if there, or if they will do anything with it, um, because what, what their worst. The worst-case scenario for them is that uh, they attempt to like, go go after the guy in any way outside a game, and then he in any way, shape, or form is perceived to have, quote-unquote, won against them. That's going to put a lot of that, – that just makes it very difficult with NDAs. And and to be frank with you, you'd be surprised at how many ways there are actually around NDAs. Um, it, it's it, It's pretty sporty, having signed quite a few in my time. They're very frightening to somebody who's never – who doesn't have to deal with them uh, on a routine basis? There's a lot of ways around it, um, or at least the penalties for for blowing that up is very, very subjective, uh, depending on on what you did. Uh, so it'd be it's kind of interesting to see what, how this will uh, will turn out.
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think CCP is going to do much with it beyond what they've done just in the game space, like you're done, you're out, because I mean, what what he did didn't really damage the company um, in any significant way. It's not like he was trading insider secrets to a competitor or something like that. It was purely like in, in the game. But I, I think the real question is, is this going to actually have real-world ramifications for this guy if he's got... Cause I mean, there's there's news stories about this, like a PC gamer and that sort of thing. And I, I do wonder if, if his actions, and because he has made it very obvious of who he is um, connected to this whole thing, if that's going to cause issues for him in the future with his professional life outside of game.
1: I wouldn't be surprised um, if it did, I don't think. I mean... The guy has ran for public office in the past, like, fucking eight years ago, I think, at this point. Um, And as far as I can tell, according to Ballotpedia, he hasn't tried again. So maybe he's done. Maybe this really won't have that big of an impact, at least on his career, um, as as it potentially could, you know, if he were running for some higher-up office or whatever. But I don't know. Probably, though.
2: Um, I think you. I mean, I think if somebody really kind of dug after it, they might. It, it might affect him, but it, it's um, somebody's going to. I I think the thing on his side is going to be well. It's a video game doohickey. They may or may not care. It really depends on the type of lawyering, lawyering and lobbying that he does. Is it a black market against him? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, is it is it as bad as other things that people? Would, you know get get busted doing on TV probably probably not <laughs> no uh but it is pretty interesting and i'm kind of i've kind of been patiently waiting for a really serious public blow up with the csm or this sort of um uh, like long standing player uh player entity that ccp uses they they haven't had too many uh in the in the long long history where it was literally like just straight up you know overtly utilizing, uh, insider information to benefit in the game. Although you could argue that it's probably in some shape or form happened quite a bit, um, over the years, but this is one of the, the few that, um, have been this public. So I'm kind of, that's why I'm kind of curious to see if they're going to do anything about it because like I said, NDAs can be, you know, relatively frightening to, to people that, that don't see them all the time. And that was the kind of thing they always hold over your head. It's like they're going to kick you out of game. This sudden other. Well, they kicked him out of game. Okay, cool, no problem. Um, but did he do anything other than that? Well, we'll see. Yeah, it's
0: uh, yeah, it's it's just it's it's, it's really interesting. And I, th- I think the the really funny part is that this whole thing's blowing up on Twitter because. In the whole announcement, CCP said this wasn't us that found this. The other CSM members reported him for what he was doing. So now there's all kinds of drama about oh they're just framing him because of all this other thing. And that's how you know that's like the, the political meta of the game now is you frame other CSM members, and it's it is a total cluster. Like I don't frequent the Eve subreddit because yeah, but you know you look in there and it's a complete clusterfuck in there right now. It's hilarious. So I mean some some spicy political intrigue coming from eve online i mean we usually hear about giant space battles but every once in a while you get you know these good ones where you know someone's accused of insider trading because of their connections in game or you know some guy rips off their alliance for a billion dollars worth of ships or whatever but uh, it's always fun to kind of see these things explode and in the backlash you see within the community fighting each other over this and it you know it's You absolutely should not break NDAs or things that you sign, but it is always amusing, I think, when this stuff happens because it is always such a clusterfuck and and it is kind of almost part of the game because EVE Online has always kind of been this political, economic, weird entity of a a game. So, interesting stuff. I just thought it'd be kind of cool to share. So, uh, yeah, drama, spicy drama in the CSM. So the other, uh, other, you know, there's, there's lots of it this week, but uh, so Borderlands 3, we talked about this uh, last week, and this week it came to light that Borderlands 3 is going to be uh, exclusively released in on PC, I mean, it's coming to Xbox and, and PS4, whatever, but on PC it is exclusively being released through the Epic Game Store for six months. And so naturally, the internet lost their collective minds over it. Um, because the whole Epic Game Store exclusivity stuff has been a, a pretty hot topic lately. And I just want to take a moment to step back and just uh, and, and laugh at how before it was the PC players looking at the console and going, oh, look at them, they're fighting over their exclusive deals between Xbox and, and, and uh, PlayStation, they're such savages. And now I'm, I'm looking and going, this is fantastic watching people try to kill each other online over where they buy their games um from which you know free platform they want to get it from so it's been a a big a big mess of course and you've got people on both sides going back and forth and i will not get into where i stand on it but um it has resulted interestingly enough in players review bombing borderlands one and two on steam because apparently if you're unhappy about how the third entity of a game came out you should Bomb the reviews of a different game that that publisher made. Um, now I'm just kind of curious, what do you guys think of the practice of review bombing? Um, if you're familiar with that,
2: uh, it's re- it's it's more recent. I think you know, like with the advent of the term review bombing, I think it is a pretty crappy practice. But look around at what happens on social media. That's how people that's how they feel empowered to, to kind of fuck with you. Whether that's like smashing your Twitter, you know, blowing up your Instagram or uh, going to your Yelp page, if they didn't like your ice cream stand or, or anything, that is how people make statements nowadays. Cause it's not as, you know, it used to be, you could just put comments on, on their, on their video, or you could put comments on their Twitter and that was enough. Well, they figured out like, oh, wait, you mean I can up and down vote things or I can uh, manipulate the way that product or that person is viewed online based on how social media or other you know, online tools use algorithms to, to show people up, down or like get them more shares or whatever. You mean I can, I can actually affect them. And by the way, it's totally free that I do this and there's zero repercussions on me. I think that's ridiculous. Um, but it's, it's very much a sign of the times. So I, I think that's one of the ones you got to kind of take with a grain of salt. I personally think that the practice is ridiculous, but it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that it is going on. What about
0: you, Pete? What do you think of it?
2: I think it's
1: really childish. Honestly. Um, I don't like it. I don't, I don't condone, uh, condone it or whatever. Like I said, I think it's really dumb. Um, I, I i feel like it doesn't i mean it it gets people talking i guess but there, there there really are a lot better ways i think to go about it um but i don't know maybe some of those ways don't grab people's attention like review bombing does um so no um I feel kind of bad, though, for, like, the people who, if it's 2019 and you haven't played either of the Borderlands games, I don't know what you've been doing for, I don't know, couldn't even tell you how long now, um, but I, I feel like it kind of could turn new people away, um, you know, from from the old games, and those games aren't, they're not bad games, they're, they're you know, really well-accepted, well-received games by, by everybody um but if you've got somebody new coming and never playing the game before and they see that oh, this game is rated really poorly on steam and they don't bother to scroll down and and, and look at people's comments because you know people on steam are going to write bad comments with their review that like Ooh, bethesda or not wow not bethesda um gearbox is making this an exclusive on the epic store Fuck gearbox um the new people are not going to read that i don't think um so i i feel like it could keep those people from from experiencing something that something that we all experienced and and, and like and, and enjoy um but, but yeah
0: yeah i'm kind of with you guys i think that you know if you have qualms with the business practices of the company don't that's it. fine yeah. yeah i mean well yeah you can you can choose not to buy a product you can you know in, in like jay mentioned there is lots of avenues out there there's social media there's online forms there's you know you know comment sections of news articles about it there are a multitude of ways that you can express your distaste for a business practice but if you go in and you're just knowingly making false reviews that are not on topic you're shitting on borderlands 1 and 2 because you don't like the platform 3 is coming out on it's really dumb like it's it's really dumb and it's not it's not right to do it's not the place you do it you know there's there's lots of ways you can express yourself like god knows everyone knows everyone hates the epic game store um by everyone i mean it's probably actually much smaller majority people think but point is that you know like you said Bay, you you come in and you're gonna shit on an actually really legendarily good game Mm -hmm. and just Bomb it because you don't like how the next game is coming out. It, it, it's ridiculous and it's childish, and it's like there are other ways you can do that. And that you are, if you think you're, oh, I'm hurting, you know, the company because now people aren't going to buy the previous games. Well, one, you're lying because you're making a a false a false statement about a game, and two you are actually hurting the potential person who may have a good time enjoying that game, they may like to play that game, and you're going to turn them away from it because you don't like what something else is doing, you know. Um, and I think it's it's absolutely ridiculous that people are doing this, and it it's it's not right. So, and this is all happening on Steam, by the way, um, For because Borderlands 1 and 2 has been on Steam, uh, not exclusively, but you know, that's where people usually go. So in response, STEAM has actually initiated an anti-review bomb filter to their system. So what it does is it, it's an algorithm that checks, you know, re- recent reviews, and I don't know the exact mechanics of how it how it is doing this, but it, it in theory, removes those reviews, both positive and negative, um, because you, you, you will have this, this counter movement sometimes. People will review bomb, people will then review with positive things to kind of counter the review bomb i both directions are bad because they're not they're not accurate um so this filter is meant to kind of remove those erroneous um positive and negative reviews that are quote unquote off topic which is true i mean they are they are off topic if you are actually reviewing the game and you're reviewing their business practices instead for something other than that game that is off topic and that has no place in that review section so they initiated this this filter and it removed four thousand comments, I think, um, over the last like five days. Uh, so it's 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 working. It seems, um, you know, one would hope it's not remo- removing legitimate comments because, of course, you know, it it could be you know uh, taking some stuff out. But the point is, is that they are making steps to kind of remove that because I mean, the thing is, is that yes, this whole thing is centered around Steam's competitor. But Steam is looking at it as, guys, you are review bombing a game which we could sell and make money on. So you're actually hurting us by review bombing a game that we sell because you don't like that they're selling a different game on a different platform. That's how dumb it is because you're literally hurting the platform that you are trying to support by review bombing on Steam. It's so stupid. Um and so they've, they've initiated this to try to kind of moderate what's going on. They're kind of like, if you want to talk about this, other places to do it. Uh, don't do it in the review section. Um, and since then, the reviews for recent reviews of Borderlands has gone back up to where it has been for a very long time, which is overwhelmingly positive because the game's really good. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see the different things moving around. But uh, yeah, people losing their shit over... Borderlands three and taking it out of Borderlands two,
1: which is the better Borderlands game, I think. Which is even further a shame that people are review bombing it. Uh, yeah, it's a. Like I
0: said, it's it's been considered legendarily good. It's gotten very very positive reviews pretty much across the board. It's one of my favorite games, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna play it on a PS4 because fuck it. But you know, I'm I'm. <laughs> because ps4 is of course the superior gaming platform uh i mean if you disagree with me you can you know write in the comment section but regardless uh it's uh yeah or or you can review bomb this episode which uh would be great i can see how many people hate it (laughs) but anyways uh yeah so that's the, the the recent drama surrounding borderlands 3 and the epic game store oh in in we don't normally get too much into into rumors here but it's just one that I thought would be kind of funny to bounce around. is going make people lose their minds. So there is a rumor, a supposedly leaker, but it's not verified, of course. So take it with a, with a grain of salt here. But Take-Two Games publishes Borderlands 3. Take-Two Games is supposedly the one that made the call on the exclusivity deal with uh, Borderlands 3 on the Epic Game Store. Take-Two Games also publishes, or is going to be publishing, the PC version of Red Dead Redemption 2.
1: So you are a bad person.
0: <laughs> well, and and supposedly this 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 rumor. So first of all, like the fact that it might be a timed exclusive seems very possible just by that that's that thing alone. But uh, supposedly, what this leaker is saying is that it's not just a timed exclusive; it's a permanent exclusive with the stipulation that Epic will only take their cut from the initial sale. And won't take any money from the microtransactions associated with Red Dead Online. Which, uh, yeah, people will really lose their minds with that one because, of course, Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2 has not been released on PC yet. It's been on console only. So, if the release is a permanent Epic Games exclusive, that's going to be some real popcorn to watch. So, I'm looking forward to whatever happens with that. I think that's probably coming out fairly soon. So, we'll know you know, probably this year, what's going on with that, and it should be uh, pretty entertaining, I think. Okay, so let's move along to kind of the, the bigger one. Um, and Jay might be able to help out with this, since he he played Anthem, and, and might be able to speak a little bit more on some of the exact things uh, that were going on, but there was an article published on Kotaku by Jason Schreier, and Jason Schreier is a, a pretty well-known uh, games journalist. He does a lot of really investigative reporting on, you know, kind of the inner ongoings with different game companies and what happens behind the scenes. So he published an article basically detailing the backstory behind the development of Anthem uh, over at Bioware, and it is it is a hot mess um, regarding everything that's going on. So uh, I'm not even sure where to start with it. Jay, what do you think the best place to start with breaking this thing down is?
2: Uh Okay, so we could probably do a pretty large segment on this we We may want to save that one uh and kind of you know let, let this settle a little bit, but the long story short is there's an 1100, eleven hundred eleven thousand word article that that Jason Shire laid down and and you have to kind of settle in and kind of really get into it, but it is a fascinating postmortem on how a game gets developed or not developed um it, it literally reads as though it would be uh, the chapter in a book that that basically says, "Let me tell you a story about BioWare." I mean, it's 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 very very high quality. It's amazing the amount of access this dude gets, um, and he's you know he's got a lot of sources. He's got a lot of uh, it, it, this is a very legit article. Let me just be clear, and it's a very in depth, very deliberate one. And if I were going to take some high level things away from it, I would basically say it is absolutely. Um, indicative of how leadership and decisions need to need to get made no matter what your business is. And, and it's fascinating. I watched a really neat uh, skill up video that sort of um, you can, by the way, whether you like skill up or not, he does really good quality product. You can disagree with his, his assessments about things, but he does do his homework. He had a kind of a neat sort of byplay of, if you watch how Sony Santa Monica put together, um god of war and then you look at what schreier uncovered in this article it's literally a night and day on how do you have a vision uh for what game you want and then how do you make those decisions and then how do you push forward and and actually deliver them now, what's fascinating here is again in the 11,000 word article at not not any point did anybody in uh ea basically you know, was to blame for any of this as much as people like to throw shade at EA at no point with it. Were they part of the problem? Uh, that was not, that was not an issue. And in fact, there's, was one noted component when they, uh, they had one of the EA execs test Anthem. This was like, because the, apparently they kept putting in and taking out the flying mechanic, which is clearly one of the best components of the game. He played the, without the flying mechanic and he, you know, fairly literally kind of threw it back in the face and was like, this is, this is not good. This does not work. Well, it is not a good game. Uh, There's, there's nothing. It's just, it's not a fun gameplay loop at that point. So it's all in-house at Bioware and they have, you you know, you, you can't substitute making people work harder for leading and making decisions. And that's more or less what Schreier was sort of charging them with that. While they might be nice guys in some cases, their their answer to everything was add more crunch to the schedule um and just assume that magic will happen in the end which is not a substitute for a plan and a deliberate process to deliver a game it, it's very difficult to to kind of you know point to any one thing other than what i would say is it, it is probably going to be the leadership aspect if there's anything that i would really really get after I would say their ability to have a coherent vision on what kind of game they wanted and what was going to fit in that game and then when people would bring them things make decisions whether they like them or not and whether to stay with them and understand the ramifications of the decisions when you uh when you change your mind and trust me I live in that world every day like big sweeping huge you know, huge decisions big money long term many year decisions and not understand the ramifications of when you not when you don't make decisions and under the understanding the ramifications of when you change your mind willy nilly pretty big things. So I, I would say those, those are kind of the high level ones, but it is an absolutely fascinating read in terms of, uh, what's kind of going on in the, in the background with a triple a developer.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was painful to read, not because the article was, was poorly written by any means, but just hearing the stories that were coming out of the development of this, um, it was just kind of the worst of the worst when you hear like development hell and just how the way that it takes a toll on the people that are trying to do their best and how, you know, they're very capable of doing a good job, but with poor leadership and bad direction or lack of direction, rather, uh, it just turns into a nightmare. Um, and, you know, I've, I think we've all probably been in situations where, poor management or poor planning has led to a lot of extra unnecessary stress in our jobs. And, you know, for, for for me at least it's usually like a month or two, but these people were like in hell for like a year and a half trying to get this thing together. Um, and it's, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is that if you like Anthem or not, um, It's not necessarily due to the incompetence of the people actually working on it, but I think that this article really shines on that it is the leadership and the lack of vision that was really to blame for all of this and not at all a lack of skill or talent or passion in what these people do every day. Um, And I, I feel bad for them because, you know, it's like everyone's kind of trashing on Anthem and it's like, it's got to be the worst feeling in the world knowing that you went through hell to push out this product and everyone hates it or a lot of people hate it. And it's kind of like, what was the whole point of it? You know, um, it's just, it's gonna be awful. And I mean, you kind of saw it in development. People were kind of leaving the company, big names are kind of leaving the company throughout the development of Anthem. Um, and people were kind of worried about it, but they're like, Oh, we'll just see how it goes. You know? And I think that now you see kind of the inside story of what was going on that, uh, you know it all kind of pieces together now, and it's just it's just awful um, to see what happens. So like I said, I would, like Jason said, I would, I would definitely read it. Um, it's it's very lengthy, but like I said, it's it's a really fascinating read. Um, and you know Jason Schreier does a really good job usually with kind of digging into these stories and and uh, getting getting kind of the 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 meat of what's going on behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see. And I think it does help to kind of maybe tweak your perspective to kind of truly understand the minds and the and the people that, that that are on this stuff and and you know I don't know, have a little more compassion, I think, for for those that are affected internally. I mean, uh in in I watched that same video, uh Jay with skill up and he's like, for the player, it's like, yeah, you lost sixty bucks and, you know, you wasted a few hours of your time. But for the people that were working on this project and just going through hell, I mean that was much more of a sacrifice and then it's, it's worth understanding and then seeing that and, you know, it, having empathy for, for what happens. So, you know, it's, like I said, I, I'd go read it. Um, we'll have a link in the description of course. Um, but uh, yeah.
2: One thing that uh, I would say is uh, kind of an interesting, interesting way to look at this is uh, when you, when you look at what Bioware does uh, and instead reported sort of crunch theory of you just, kind of make people work harder the closer you get to a deadline, which is, I mean, there's some logic there, but they, you know, there's a fine line on how you do that. Um, that's one of those things like that, that crunch culture is really something that is pervasive throughout the game development culture or game game development world and and not really in a good way. And, and, And this is one of the side shoots of this article is it sort of highlights this continuing comment about, um, does there need to be a, a unionization of, of workers? And depending on who you talk to, it's, it's always interesting. Like some, some companies are very quick to point out like, hey, uh, we would like to point to our, our – you can talk free range, talk to any of our people, and they'll let you know what they think. And we think we have a really, really good place where people want to come to work. And, oh, by the way, we don't do that to our employees. And then you, you have a lot of other places that are just notorious for it. Bioware was one. Uh, this brings up an interesting article, uh, an interesting point, and I kind of go all the way back to uh, our conversation with Mitch Gittleman from Hair ba- Hairbrain Schemes. And he kind of talked about this a little bit, too, in, in an interesting way. Um, if you build the right sort of organizational culture, people will want to come work for you and you can get a lot out of them without burning them out. Uh, and and that is just the sign of a good organization. And good leadership. That's really what you're talking about is good leadership, which then begets that good, that positive culture inside the, the, the community. I'm looking at this totally from the outside in. And I, I, you know, my day job, I, I come to, you know, I have a lot of research engineers and scientists that work with informing. And, uh, and many of them are project managers and project leaders. And what is fascinating is when I walk into a room full of engineers and scientists. And, you know, you're expecting somebody to run a meeting and make decisions and give guidance and how difficult it is for many people to do. Um, and in the culture that you get in, in sort of these very um, tech related or uh, skill related kind of you know work work areas, you tend to get promoted because you're really good at you're like the best programmer, the best coder, the best environments guy or the best sound a person that works on sound uh you're the best girl in in the office that works on the story component or whatever it is then at some point you become you're in charge of some things uh i I see this a lot in my field and it makes me kind of wonder if that's what you see in game development is like is there a bit of attrition in the people that stick around longer and longer they get the experience and then eventually they're like team and project leads and, and game you know game development leads where they really good at at their at their specific craft, and then suddenly they're in a leadership position, and it's really difficult to make decisions and, and understand how to organize. I mean, leadership is hard. I mean, leadership is very hard. Um, but I kind of go back to that comment about you know Mitch when he said, "Hey, I wasn't like a great programmer. In fact, I wasn't a programmer. Or I wasn't a writer. I wasn't this or I wasn't that. But I was really good at organizing work and staying on deadline, and you know, making decisions." About what to do and what not to do, and and they make pretty good products. You may not like you know their style of game or whatever, but they make good, well received products. And they have a small development studio, and they tend to to have a pretty good culture. Um, it kind of makes me wonder when you get teams like Bioware, or these big these big entities. Uh, eventually, somebody they get to be in charge, and they just don't have the right leadership chops. They might technically be very good at what they at their individual craft, but it's, they don't have the, that leadership capability. And that's really the things that, you know, that, that you're bringing to the table. So, you know, two you know, kind of makes me wonder about how things work and like, how do you identify talent and uh, acquire talent in the game development world? And then, you know, is there that offshoot of to kind of protect the workers that they need to talk about a union at some point? I, I think if you have better leadership generally and you understand how to, to, to cultivate that. You, you can achieve a lot of the things that you think a union is going to do without the baggage of a union. But, you know, that's, that's my digression into uh, a lot of soft skill stuff, you know, that we probably don't normally talk about in the podcast. <laughs> no, man,
0: you're absolutely on point. Um, just like, I, I've, just a personal story, I've fallen into that, that trap before where, um, you know, it, there's a tendency in when you're really good at your job, that usually the the progression up is become the manager of the people that do your job. And I I found out fairly quickly, it took about a year that I'm a great designer when it comes to the type of work I do. But when you put me in the management role of the design department, I pretty much sucked at it really badly. Like I really struggled with it. Um, And ultimately came to just me admitting, this isn't for me. I need to step back and go back into what I do best, and not try to do leadership. Leadership is not something; it's just being really good at a job, and now you know how to direct people um, doing that job. It doesn't work that way, Um, and I think that happens in a lot of industries. Um, But you know, it could be, it would be kind of an interesting deep dive. Like, is is that a particularly bad problem in the gaming industry, where you tend to have these people being moved up into leadership positions where they just they're not great at, at being leaders, and that's not any. Yeah, you know, that doesn't mean they're bad at their job it just means that, that is not part of their skill set um and i would be curious to see you know if, if that is part of the problem you see i mean you've got you know bioware is a great example here where just lack of lack of direction and it could very well have been because people who were in charge just weren't they don't have that skill set they needed to have to really make it come together um so it, it's interesting but no it's, it's 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 a very interesting concept and i think it It's definitely worth exploring. All right. Anything else on that before we move on, Jay?
2: Uh, No, I think that's it. Like I said, I definitely want to give that article a plug. Uh, Highly recommend folks check it out. Definitely going to bring a cup of coffee though.
0: Yeah. It's a long one. All right. So moving along to kind of our, our last major topic here. So, uh, back at E3 last year, Bethesda showed off a new mobile title that they were working on, which was called Elder Scrolls Blades. And it's if you're not familiar with the term Elder Scrolls, you've probably heard the word Skyrim. Well, Skyrim is Elder Scrolls V. Um, so it's meant to be kind of a full-fledged Elder Scrolls game, but on a mobile platform. Um, I haven't played it. Uh, I don't know if you have, Jay, but I know, Bate, you got your hands on it. Um, is this like an early access thing? Or like how did you actually get involved with this?
1: Yeah, so um, I think it was the day that Bethesda announced it. Uh, there was a link floating around somewhere. You could search up in the Google Play Store. and it, That's how I found it, at least. Um, and you could pre-register um, to, to be able to get in the game. So I, I pre-registered, and I completely forgot about it up until probably about two weeks ago at this point. Um, where Bethesda were sending out uh invites to be able to participate for everybody who signed who had pre-registered basically. um so I downloaded it. I had anticipated to play it but but I didn't know that they were um, only opening it up at certain times. so I, I didn't get to play it um because I never got the notification to, to sign in or whatever. so but that was cool or whatever I just left it on my phone and then, um a couple of days ago um probably let's see if I have the date no I don't anyway a couple of days ago um if you're in the discord i gave blaze a lot of shit so you probably find it there it's kind of funny um game releases and it's it's able to to be played by everybody um so yeah last week um yeah last week so that was cool um so i immediately it was like it was midnight, I think, um, and I I just went to town on it. So just some thoughts that I had. It's a cell phone game, and when they first announced it back at E3, yeah, it was kind of cool. You know, everybody likes Elder Scrolls for the most part, I think. So you know, being able to take that in the palm of your hand, it's a cool idea. But I didn't really know how well it would turn out. And it's not bad. I mean, um. But
0: yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't sold on that like actiony nah. games on the phone. Like I always go, okay, sure. It's yeah. just, it, I usually steer clear of those. Well,
1: yeah, because I, I always think that they're super gimmicky, and this one kind of is gimmicky. But I mean, it, it's Skyrim on your cell phone. It, the the fucking game is literally everywhere. So, um, so yeah, like like I said, it is kind of gimmicky. Um, just the way that they were talking about. It. I don't know if you remember the the E three video. Um, where Todd Howard was up on stage and he's talking about it or whatever, he's making all these all these jokes about it. But like the way that he was holding it or the way that they were showing the game being played in uh, was that portrait mode straight up and down? It's really dumb. Um, it's a terrible way to play the game because you're having to uh, to click on parts of the dungeon, um, and then you, you immediately move and then having to do that and like turn the camera at the same time is a pain in the butt and then like. You know, phones are so big for the most part nowadays that having to stretch your thumb to the bottom of the screen to, um, to like to block, let's say, or to cast a spell or to use an ability, it's kind of a pain in the ass. So you just turn that thing into, uh, into landscape mode and it plays like every other, um, action game, uh, out there where the, the virtual, uh, thumbsticks kind of pop up and you can, you can move around like that so much easier. Um, still a little bit awkward when trying to cast spells in these potions though, but I, I, it works a lot better, I think, than, uh, than right side up. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's literally Skyrim on the cell phone. Um, graphics. I know Todd Howard said in his, uh, in his announcement that it was going to have console quality graphics. Nah, man, not even close. <laughs> it doesn't look bad, but I, I wouldn't really necessarily say that it, it's console quality graphics. Um so again, it doesn't look bad though for, for it being a, a cell phone game. Um also would not call this game a massive first person RPG. It's pretty small in the grand scheme of things. So it's very um very linear, uh the world and and, and the dungeons are. It's not really you know, when we think about Bethesda games and we, and we think of Elder Scrolls, we think of you know, the ability to, to go anywhere. Um nah, nah, there there's none of that. Again, which is understandable, it's a cell phone game. we are not gonna put Skyrim you know the Skyrim size map on your phone that would that would kill your phone um but I mean, I feel like the the dungeons are are big enough. I mean, I don't feel like they're too small and and sometimes I don't feel like they're too terribly they're they're overly big. I guess is what I'm trying to say, so that's cool um let's see.
0: So, so on that, bait, is it like a like an open world, or is it like more mission based? Oh no,
1: it's mission based. Like the the only way that you gotcha. leave the main hub that you're in um, is by like quest, right? And so you don't, you can't walk outside the walls of your city, or you can't like walk out to you know one part or another. Um, so yeah, it's very limited in in that regard.
0: I mean, that seems reasonable. Oh, that's what yeah. I would expect from From a phone game, um, regardless of what Bethesda says it's
1: going to be like. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that I'm, I'm not too disappointed by. Um, uh, mechanics wise, it's about what you would expect. Um, there's a lot of tapping. There's an ungodly amount of tapping, because all of your attacks are, I mean, that. that's how you attack, that's how you block, that's how you, you know, you, you do everything. Um, so oh yeah, there, it, there's that um, the, the blocking though is actually not the worst thing in the world. I will say. I find that games like that, like like fighting games, especially, I always seem to have a hard time blocking uh, if I'm playing it on like my phone or whatever, but this I, I have no problem with. So I guess the uh, recognition or whatever is is really good. I don't know if that's a Google thing or if that's a, a Bethesda thing. Um, so as far as the other mechanics go, it really is, I I keep saying it, but it really is just Skyrim on a cell phone. Um, you've got your three status bars, the magic, stamina, and health. Um, you're, you're still putting, um, still leveling up each of those bars every time you do level up. Um, or no, you pick between magic and stamina which I think is how you do in Skyrim. It's been a while, though. Um, So there's that. Um, You get skill points, and you can put them in um, abilities or uh, spells or um, feats, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, So feats would be like you do more damage with this kind of weapon or or, or whatever. So That's what I'm I'm calling feats. Um, All the... I'm really jumping around I know um, all the buttons are are laid out in a uh, you know relatively easy to um, to get to area so that is that is nice um, especially somebody with a bigger phone um, I like being able to reach all of my menu icons so so that's good um, the story is like non-existent um, basically you're a member of the blaze um, which is like a like an uh, elite uh, government agency or whatever within the um within the world of Tamriel. Um so you play as one of those guys, some story happens and you return back to a town and that's pretty much it. There, there's nothing as far as I can tell that goes like beyond that or whatever. But there still are like NPCs walking around that will that will say things. Um that you can you can get quests from some of them and stuff. So there's that. Um but the only, like, real NPC that I've gotten a, a quest from, was, like, go kill some goblins. And I got, like, five of those quests. So, um, hmm. <laughs> Customization, um, again, it's a Bethesda game. The character creation's all the same. Um, done it once you've done it, you've done it for them all. Um, but, like, it, it still translates really well, um, to the phone. Um, yeah, I mean, you can do basically all the same things that you can, you can change on the console or computer Bethesda game. You can do the same thing on the phone. So that's kind of cool. Um, there's a, there's a wide range of, you know, types of armor and, uh, weapons that you can use and, um, powers and skills and whatnot. So, so that's nice. Um, although there are no armor classes, so there's no, no more is there. Light armor, medium armor, and heavy armor There's only armor, um, and it has different, different levels. Um, so, so far, I've only seen hide leather, iron, steel, and silver, but I only do have a level one smithy, so if I level that up, um, then maybe there will be more. I hope there's more, because some of those numbers were really low, so we'll see. Um, I would definitely keep you guys updated about that though, because it's a fun little game. Um, the, the same goes for, for weapons. I mean, I've only seen iron and steel and silver weapons, so, um, there's no bows in the game, uh, but there are, you know, daggers and shields, like I said, and war axes and, and, and basically everything else. Maces too, I think. Um. Unfortunately though, because it is a cell phone game, and like every other cell phone game that's out there right now, um, everything that you do is based on a timer. so if you want to upgrade something, well you gotta wait fifteen minutes to for that to upgrade or you want uh, you want to build something you're you're building like uh dwellings and smithies and shops and whatnot in in this town that you're in um, those are all based on a timer. Um, as you're dungeoneering, um, you can find chests that, that have, you know, materials and armor and weapons and premium currency and blah, blah, blah. Uh, those take time to open. Um, but the times are, are drastically uh, different. Like your base chest will take literally five seconds. Uh the next tier up chest takes I think three hours and then the one above that takes uh six hours. So you are waiting a bit sometimes between chests. Um which can be frustrating, but again, Bethesda has to make money, so it's about what I expected. Um as far as stuff like that goes. So so yeah, I mean it's and as far as the monetization goes, while well, we're talking about timers and stuff, I haven't been bombarded um buy ads or whatever saying hey buy this uh buy this premium pack or buy some premium currency i don't think i've ever seen one of those ads before so they're not in your face about it which i really do like um as somebody who doesn't typically spend my money on stuff like that in phone games um that's nice to to not be assaulted by that because i have definitely played games where it's like you do get assaulted by that kind of thing um so this isn't like that so I, I I do appreciate that, but um, uh, I guess that's everything I kind of had written down. Overall, like I said at the top, it's Phone Skyrim, dude, six out of ten, um, and it's gonna come to your Samsung smart refrigerator in the summer.
0: <laughs> so, so this this isn't totally out yet. This is still yeah, early it's access. still in early
1: access, and as best I can tell, um, all the reports are saying that Bethesda is gonna move forward with a full launch. Um, in like mid 2019, so within the next two to what two to five months. Uh
0: That's not too bad, and it sounds like it's not as much of a clusterfuck as Fallout 76. So I guess that's oh yeah, no,
1: it's definitely yeah, not Fallout 76. Huge benefit. Go buy this game or go download this game. It's free.
0: Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for that rundown, man. I was I was really curious because, like I said, I, I always see action game on the phone I'm like eh, it's not really my thing it just doesn't really work well for me but uh, it's it's good to see that they've at least put together something that's, that's um, a little amusing but
2: uh, yeah, yeah pretty cool
0: okay anything else you guys want to cover before we wrap this one up
2: no I think that's good by the way that was a really good rundown on that uh, it's, I was sitting there kind of listening to it as I was kind of flipping through on my iPad trying to uh, you, you know look at different you know other reviews and videos of the game it again it it's it it is a mobile game but it's uh it's just another sign that people's gaming habits are kind of moving in a lot of different directions and uh, i think more than more than one developer has tried to kind of talk to big crowds e3s and other things like that gd you know gdc's and try to describe like the total number of game platforms in the world that you've held in your hand dwarfs the number that is under a TV or on a desk somewhere. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: That should be an interesting topic for uh, a later show is, is kind of the different directions that these things have been going. Cause it's, I've been doing a little bit more mobile gaming lately just to kind of try some different things out. And it's, it's crazy the selection out there. All right, guys, let's do some shout outs. we will wrap this one up. So my shout out is going to go to, and I'm amazed I hadn't found this guy earlier on YouTube. He's NGN Gaming, and he basically does lore for The Division, the world of The Division. And The Division is not a game that I would say go to if you want like a really cool story, because a lot of their storytelling is very environmental. you got to go digging for it, and that's not everyone's cup of tea. This guy has dug through all of the stuff, and he's got a really great voice, really well put together. I'd say he's kind of like the... My name is Bife of Division, so it's really good stuff. I do suggest this will have a link in the description for that one. He's really good content worth checking out, especially if you you know, are kind of dissatisfied with the story in The Division 2. He's, he's got some good stuff in there that I totally missed, so I would check it out.
2: All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, no problem. Uh, my shout-outs. Uh, let's see. So what I've been doing is checking out some Division 2 podcasts. As I'm checking some out. I'll probably have a couple to offer you. One that I would kind of throw out there is called Rogue Agent Down. Really, really cool, uh, very friendly kind of podcast. It's uh, it's a guy named Manny and uh, this uh, like a, a girl named Bridget. They do a really good job of uh, giving you a good technical breakdown of different topics on the show, and, and it's just a nice informal chat. It's really good. There's a couple other ones that are that are floating around out there. Bombshell Jackets uh, is a really good one. Uh, those are two that I would kind of offer up. I'm, I'm still kind of checking out some different content out there for uh, division two. But uh, if you really, really get into uh, the Diablo esque, you know, builds and how, you know, how you really want to go after min maxing and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is a, it's a really, really fun game. I've, I haven't had the capability. I, I really wish um, that folks would take a look at division two and, and kind of think about what, what they want to pull out of there for de- for destiny three. Just, you know, all, all you folks out there that uh, from Bungie that listen to this uh, podcast, they just take a hint there. It's but at anyway, least, I didn't have the studio. It, yeah, I clearly, clearly, have the studio. If, if, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but, but I would like to uh, to kind of point out that uh, Rogue Agent Down and Bombshell Jackets, really good content creators. I Highly recommend people check those out.
1: All right, sounds good. And be so, I guess my shout-out, um, I, I, I listen to an obscene amount of podcasts um, throughout the week. And, and one of the things that I've been listening to recently, uh, I have started to re-listen to again, was a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast. Um, and, and what it is, is it's, uh, it's like five dudes, uh, five voice actors uh, from up in New York who... Um, they they record an actual play podcast of um, one of the Pathfinder adventure paths. So right now they're rolling through uh, a giant slayer. And I think I think we're on book five um, out of six. It's either book four or book five. Um, but I'm like, I, they just crossed over 200 episodes, I think, last week. Um, so I finally got caught up, um, although I might be behind one episode now. But anyway, I, I'm caught up for all intents and purposes and it's a really good podcast. Um, so if you're into uh, like Pathfinder or D and D or Tabletops or whatever, um and you don't have time to play, this is a great way to, to play vicariously through these guys and, and you know, they have some fun and you know, you get to have the story of, of uh what those guys over at Pazo have written, so Again, that's the Glass Cannon podcast. You can listen to it anywhere you get podcasts uh, from.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, with that being said, we're going to call the show uh, a wrap. And as always, if you want to be on the show, if you want us to cover any particular topics or play any particular games, head over to biomass.com. Let us know. With that being said, have a good week. We'll See you next time.